Hello, welcome. How's it going, Ryan? Good. Yourself? Good, good. Uh, I see your backdrop there. You got some tires in the background. Oh, yes. Tires and body work. <laughs> Perfect. That's all you need, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm in my garage right now. Let me know if the internet connection starts to lag a bit. I'm not sure how it is out here. Whoops. Um, it seems to be okay. So I've never really tested it out. All right, cool. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Brian Body. We've never actually met before, but we've been pals on uh, social media for a little bit now. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, I'm, uh, um, I live in Western Canada, uh, Calgary, Alberta. Um, reason why we're pals on uh, social media and stuff is we're two fellow racers. So I've been uh, you know, racing for seven years now with the Edmonton Motorcycle Road Racing Association. Um, since then, I've won two, two five, seven titles, uh, seven number one plates. Um, yeah, uh, what else do I gotta say? Family, family man, I got two young kids. Um, originally from just north of Toronto, on, uh, Ontario, Canada. I uh, moved out here the last 10 years and uh, kind of got into racing after that. That's very cool, yeah, I, uh, I envy all those titles. I have a couple to my name, but not, not seven just yet. Um, so it's good to see that progression and getting through it and getting better and more consistency, right? Um, and I see that you're yeah, in yeah. dirt bikes and snowmobiles and sport bikes. Is there any any other motor form of motorsport that you're into? Uh, not really doing the snowmobile thing anymore. That used to be something I did uh, a lot back when I lived in Eastern Canada. Um, actually, do a lot of uh, winter winter enduro, winter dirt biking. So actually going out tomorrow, the wife and I, uh, we just throw studs on the dirt bikes so that we can use them all year round. There you um, go. But besides that, pretty much did a little bit of um, But unfortunately we don't, so we're kind of limited. But yeah, just really the, the enduro riding and the uh, Snow riding, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on Canada. It's got to be such a, a colder climate. I mean, I'm in Michigan. It's not exactly warm all year round. But in Canada, you have even less of a, a riding season. You have less time, I would assume. So are you guys normally riding in snowy and rainy conditions all the time? Is that just normal for you? Or is your season just condensed a little bit? Yeah, I'm just going to move inside my house here for a second. Just give me a second. Yeah, no problem. Find a better spot. I thought it'd be decent out here, but I uh, guess not. Sometimes One it's hard to find here. a quiet, good spot with good internet. Well, exactly. I wanted to use the garage because that's uh, with the family. That's my quiet spot, right? But uh, Right, right. Your man can't. Hold on a second here. Sure. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, so we'll see how this goes here. So yeah, what, what were you saying? Uh, I was just asking about I heard uh, your riding season and the weather. I mean, being in Canada, 
Uh, I'm from Michigan, so it's not always exactly really hot oh, yeah. either. But in Canada, I would assume you have even less of a riding season because of the weather. Yeah, so Michigan, your weather would be kind of similar to uh, what I was used to growing up near Toronto kind of thing. Um, our seasons are short, I'll say that. <laughs> usually start end of May. And then uh, we usually go until beginning of September. and But that round's always like touch and go. It's usually... 10 degrees Celsius. So what's that? Probably cold, like 45 degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. I'd say. So yeah, it's 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 cold. It's it's sketchy. The last three years have been like you want to make sure you have championships wrapped up before you go into that last round. Oh yeah, and and do they race if it's snowing? No, well not not uh, not on sport bikes. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I've actually been to a track day. I think that, that'd be a disaster. Late April. So we have that track days where it started to kind of sleep yeah. halfway through the day. Yeah. Yeah, I went to a track day. It was late April, early May in Michigan, and there was it was snowing. Definitely snowing. Yeah, there, are you back? Oh, really? Yeah, it was snowing in Michigan uh, in late April, early May. So it, it was, uh, we had, they had us take our trucks out on the track to break up the ice. It was so bad. There was ice in a river in turn one and turn three, I think it was. What track that? Uh, that was at Granton Raceway over in Belding, Michigan, west side of the state. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just moving to another room here. Yeah, no problem. So what tracks do you mostly ride? So I mostly uh, do like Granton, Gingerman, there was Joliet in uh, Illinois, um, which was Audubon Country Club. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Blackhawk Farms, Road Atlanta is a big one, Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama, um, Alabama as well. There's, uh, or Georgia and then Alabama. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the tracks in the Northeast uh, go to. I've actually since in the last couple of years been switching over to mountain bikes because um, it's so much cheaper and I kind of ran out of money. Um, so I started a business, Eric's yeah, yeah. fund all that stuff. So I'm selling products on eBay and Amazon, doing my own website, shopesr.com, selling products on there, doing Craigslist. I think you have a similar type of local marketplace in Canada you guys use. Um, just trying to get my name out there with these podcasts. I've, uh, this will be podcast, I think, number 25. Um, so I just started this year and just not so much weekly. I can't do it every week. Um, but actually this week I have, I think six podcasts scheduled to do. So, uh, trying to crank them out, doing, doing some more of them. Um, and just, uh, I, I hope to get back into motorsports and get being able to fund racing sport bikes again and, and maybe cars at some point. Yeah. But it's just so expensive. As you know, I'm just trying to take a step back and uh, be smart about it. So uh, tell me, yeah, how have you been able to uh, to continue racing at such a high level? Well, I've kind of had to take a step back too once we started having a family. So I started with this club um, and kind of worked my way up through it. But then I really had goals and dreams of uh, racing our national series, the Canadian Superbike Series, 
um, which is mostly an Eastern um, series. They don't really come out West. So a lot of traveling, um, a lot of commitment and uh, did it for a couple of years. I only made, I didn't do the whole series. I just did their, their last round, which is at our, one of our most famous tracks, Mossport, if you ever heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of that and, one. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed it, really wanted to do it, but same thing, really got expensive fast, right? And you start to realize it. And with having a family, you got to be smart. So I kind of took a step back from and went back to just having fun with racing. And I've been racing with our local club ju and just doing that the last couple of years and really enjoyed it. And I've really excelled doing it because it just takes the stress away from and there's more funds available. So I w I'd love to go back and race uh, a national series. I mean, with once this pandemic's over, I'd love to get down south and do some ra racing too. Um, but for now, it's just been keeping a tight budget and doing our uh, EMRA weekends and then uh, just doing track days and having fun. And we have another track out in British Columbia, um, the Western province from us that was uh, just built a few years ago called Area 27. And it's a phenomenal racetrack. It's absolutely beautiful. So they don't do racing there, but they just do track days. So we usually like to go out there and, you know, enjoy a bit of the mountains in British Columbia, and then we'll go ride and track and do track days there and just have fun. Right. So yeah, we just try to make it super. Yeah. Sounds unique that they don't do racing there only track days. Is there a reason? Is it maybe safety or they just, uh, how it's set up? It's, uh, it's a private track. Okay. So, you know, they have to make it, it's members only kind of thing. Um, so they have to adhere to their members, but that being said, our national series has been uh, pushing there and our club, our club and other clubs have been kind of pushing. So we're hoping we're being optimistic that there'll be racing there in the next few years. So. Be cool. It's always nice to get a new track on the schedule. Um, you know, it's different from going from a track day to racing. Everybody pushes so much harder and you end up going faster. And uh, sometimes if it's a new track that never raced at, you're going to have lap records. Oh yeah. You'll you definitely have lap records. There's been a, there's been a, there's, well, there already is lap records out there with guys pushing on, on track days and stuff, but definitely when you add racing to it, it'll definitely get dropped, right? It always just, it's that next level, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, tell me you're on the ZX 10 right now, the Kawasaki. How do you like that bike? The gen five. I am. Um, I love it. Uh, there's a couple of things. So, one of the things is our tracks that I currently race on. So our club currently is on two. They're very small, tight tracks. Um, and for a big, long wheelbase bike like that, it's a bit of a handful to work around the track. So, I mean, I got a great suspension um, mechanic guy that, that helps me set up the bike and we get it working as best we can. The hardest thing I have with it is the wheelies. It takes a lot to control the wheelies on the thing because it just wants to take off. I mean, you rode a BMW, didn't you? I rode a, uh, a bunch of Kawasaki's, um, 600s class, and then uh, okay. started to a Triumph for a little while. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought, I thought you rode a BMW for some reason. Anyways, yeah, it's a handful of a bike. The one thing I, I love about it is it is a very great stable chassis. So when you get on a big track, 
like it's in a big sweeping corner it's so stable and it makes so much power right off the box that it makes it a little easier to race guys like just because you can just keep the bike in front you know what i mean it makes a yeah. ton of power so it's a great bike um few things i'd like to i wish it did a little better but uh all in all i'm i'm, I'm a big fan of it no anti-wheelie on that bike yet well, it's got it. It's got um, anti-wheelie electronics, but we try to use as little as we can, right? Because that just costs you time. So it's just about finding a balance, right? Right. It's basically so. like retarding the engine so you don't go up past a certain uh, percentage. Exactly, right? So it'll it'll cut, and it's okay if like if it lets the front wheel go up just a bit, cuts, and it kind of holds it. I'm fine with that, but there's some one of the tracks we go to you come out of some of the corners and you just get on it and it wants to come up and then it'll cut come down but yeah. then once it comes down it shuts the electronics off and then it just comes up again so it's just like this yo-yo kind yeah. of thing right so we try to just let it lift and carry so right be as smooth as possible yeah we actually uh this year we didn't really get to test it much um, because it, the parts just didn't come in in time, but we added a thumb brake to it. So I'm looking forward to using that because I can just, you know, coming out of a right-hander, I can just get to that rear brake quicker. Yeah. Just keep that front down. So I'm, I'm excited about that for next year. And what, ha what hand is that rear thumb brake on? Yeah, I'm on the left hand, on the, on the clutch side. So it's just right there for you. So. Okay. So you don't have to worry about the throttle at all with that. Yeah. That would be confusing. Brake, throttle, brake. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's two on the hand now. Two brakes. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I hear a lot of people are switching to that because the right-handers, they can't get their foot in the right position to uh, to be on the peg. It's just such an awkward thing. People don't realize you can't, you just throw away that brake because you can't use it in, in those situations unless you have a different foot position. Pretty much. Like, we have one corner. So one of our tracks is called Stratotech, and it's originally a go-kart track. Um, so super tight, super flat. Um, you have this one right-hander you come out of with a little bit of a straight, and I would have to uh, come out of it, throw my weight over top of the bike, so soon, and then as soon as I got it stood up, get on the rear brake so I could get the drive out of the corner or else it's just gonna wanna lift too high and I have to roll off the throttle. So that for that corner especially is where I'm really excited to try it, so. Yeah. And uh, when did you make the switch from the 600s to the 1000s? Um... I made the switch in 2018. So I, yeah, I rode a Yamaha R6 before. Okay. Um, loved the chassis, such a light, nimble bike. Um, so my goal though was I wanted to win. So in our club, we have two 600 class races. We have 600 super sport and 600 super bike. Normally there'd be class specifications to each, like what you're allowed in each class with parts. But for us, it's, it's you, you can race both with the same bike. Um, and my goal was to win at least uh, the 600 super bike championship before moving up. So I wait, I wanted to move a year earlier, but I waited and then I won both the super sport and the super bike championships in 17. So then I was kind of done with the 600s and I want to move on to the thousand. So. And there's no really, there's nobody really racing 50s anymore. It's almost like a dying breed. The, the what, what bikes? 
The seven fifties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They do they even make a seven fifty anymore? <laughs> I can't even remember. I think they do, eh? Do they? I'm not sure what year or if they still even have them in production. That's you know nobody rides them anymore. There's there used to be you know six hundred seven fifty was the kind of the the middle in between the two, but those are kind of fading away. Yeah. There's there's not a big premier race class that's racing those. No, but you know what's funny? Everyone talks about so this track I mentioned, Stratotac, that we used um, the club that I race with used to race there up until 2013, um, and then the club the track was sold, and so the new owner didn't have any interest in in racing, so no one raced. But when we we came back to it uh, in 2020, and all the old guys that uh, used to race there used to say the ultimate bike there was a Gixxer 750 because it's best combination of a 600 and a thousand right yeah Being nimble light but still make enough power yeah and now if you follow moto 2 at all they're racing a 765 which is basically a 750 i guess a triple yeah so it's it's kind of not really a 600 class anymore in the moto 2 world championship no it's not and i don't know if you saw but yamaha is going to cease production on the r6 I mean, all good things uh, come to an end, right? Um, maybe they're just going to make another 600 and call it an R7. I don't know, or something. Who knows? Yeah, or a 750 called an R7 kind of thing. That'd be <laughs> exciting. That'd be yeah, a weapon. They're just steadily uh, up in the, the horsepower and the CCs of all these bikes. It used to be a 250s. Now it's 300s. Now it's 400s. Uh, it's going to be 500s again. One day. Yeah, exactly. So... And uh, I at least saw, they have the rider aids now that it'll, yeah, it won't be those uh, those two stroke 500s anymore, it'll be a more of a manageable 500. Um, but I was looking, yeah, exactly, I'm doing a little digging into you right before this, and I saw you did some uh, Wera racing, that's where I raced the most is Wera, and uh, I saw you were in, I think it was Miller in 2016. Yep, yeah, yeah, that was the first time I uh, ever went down to Miller. That's a far drive from Alberta. You know, it's our closest American track, so. Really? Um, it can't be. Quite a bit of us. Um, what, Actually. Tracks out in Washington now? The Ridge? Yeah, there's the Ridge, but if you look at the distance from Alberta, Miller's still closer. Really? Wow. I guess it's further yeah. central than I think. Yeah, it's only by a few hours because Miller's just a straight shoot south, right? Where uh, um, the Ridge and uh, what are some of the other tracks out there? Anyways, um, they're you're kind of heading uh, southwest, right? So yeah, I got you. And I looked up the yeah. Astral Raceway, and that's about thirty hour drive from my house. <laughs> that's a far just one. A, yeah, exactly. And uh, so t uh, tell me a little, about, little bit about your home life. You have some animals. You're a, a dog lover. Yeah, I'm a dog lover. We got uh, Jax. He's our uh, six-year-old German Shepherd purebred. Um, and then we picked up uh, Harley. So she's our, we rescued her. There, there's a, a native reserve just west of here and uh, she was found there and then uh, listed for sale so we picked her up and she's a 
Shepherd, Border Collie, Lab, you name it, mix of everything. But uh, they're great. They're they're always fun. They keep me busy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always wanted a dog, but uh, just never pulled the trigger. I feel like I, I'm never home enough or don't have enough time to, to uh, dedicate to it. But at the same time, it's better than uh, the dog not finding a home, right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. we kind of waited until, well, I waited until I met my wife and then we kind of, it was two people there to help with the dog rather than because I was single too. I thought the same thing. I wanted to get one, but yeah. never home all the time, right? So it's just not fair to the dog. Right. And I, I have a cat now, but I mean, I feel like they're so independent. He doesn't care if I'm here or there. So it's a little different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, tell me, how has uh, COVID affected you in your life, in your area? Is it a big thing where you are? Is everybody wearing masks? Like, what's your daily life been like? So I've been fortunate enough that with my job, I'm a high voltage electrician, so I'm considered essential. Yeah. Um, so work-wise, I haven't been affected at all, actually. It's been, it's actually quite nice because uh, they've given us more freedoms at work where we used to have to, you know, kind of all meet up at a at our shop and then figure out our, our duties for the day and then go about where now we uh, all kind of just, we have our, task given to us online and we just go out to certain substations and do our work right we don't have to report to anyone so it's been actually giving me a bit more freedom um, but that being said in Alberta we were one of the better provinces with tackling COVID at first but now our case numbers have you know skyrocketed as a, as a, they have everywhere so we just are actually going into a strict lockdown starting this weekend unfortunately so basically all businesses closing and then essential businesses allowed 15% of their maximum capacity and then all sports like my son's in hockey and that's being shut down and canceled. So bummer. Christmas is canceled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, th I think we're just coming out of a lockdown. I'm not sure. Nobody seems to know what the laws are or what the rules are anymore. It seems to change by the minute. Um, but yeah, I, for me, I've been going to work every day, just wearing masks and um, trying to try yep. to distance when you can. But I mean, you can't do it everywhere. And like Black Friday, I didn't go out shopping, but people said it was it was a madhouse, you know. Uh, but then restaurants are closed, so it, it just seems so arbitrary. Yeah, I agree with you. It's and confusing, right? One you get told one thing one day, and then you know a week later, it's you're being told something else. So yeah very difficult but uh is there anything uh, on your mind you wanted to talk about today uh no not a whole lot so well, tell me a little bit so i mean how do you pronounce your last name is it eric swan yep just like the bird but with an h in there silent h yeah yeah that's like my name with the silent the silent d uh, body but anyways um so like yeah so what do you uh Tell me about your business and, and, and how it's going. Yeah, so I started my business with no money and I, I had just been laid off from a job, uh, from doing nothing wrong and I was fed up. And I started yeah. selling all my old race tires on eBay 
uh, I'm sorry, on Craigslist at first, only on Craigslist. And uh, I had realized I had sold every single tire that I used at one point um, for takeoff tires. And so I'm like, there's something yep. here. And I started now listing these products on eBay um, and they started to take off as well. Um, and now a couple of years later, I'm shifting away from the, the used products and my own personal things that I was uploading to eBay. And I'm now um, uploading real vendor items um, major companies are drop shipping items for me. I'm using like O'Neill, OGO, M4 Performance Exhaust, like major brands, uh, Motul, suspension setup tools I'm selling, um, all kinds of motorcycle car parts, uh, mountain bike parts. Uh, I want to get into even electronics and other sporting goods like snow sports and uh, bicycle sports down the road just so that I don't have a slow season because as you know, motorcycles are mainly in the summer, although I do ship globally. Um, so you, you have a little bit less there when you're shipping to like the other day I shipped to Russia and Australia. And then the week before was like Brazil and, um, and Canada, a bunch of Canada orders. So it's all over the place. Um, so it's, I still work a normal job. I still go into work every day from 6 AM to, to 2 PM. And then I come home and do my business usually from 2.30 to 6, hopefully, or 7 or 8 if I need to. Um, and then I also do like at least one podcast a week. I try to um, try to get that going a couple a month and uh, just trying to make a name for myself. Hopefully, my, my real goal is to quit my job and not have to have a boss. I mean, isn't that everybody's goal to be able to make yeah. and not have to go to work? I think that's, that's the real goal is to get out of the rat race. Um, yeah. And nobody in my family has ever done it before. Nobody in my family has ever tried to do that before, before they're 65, you know? So uh, yeah. it's, it's not there yet. Like I said, I still have to work a normal job. But the last few months have been uh, five figures a month, which is fantastic for me. Um, it's, uh, I think I need uh, about three times more what I'm doing right now and I might be able to actually uh, quit my job. So uh, maybe in a couple. Oh, that's of years. awesome. And uh, right now I got a full-time, full-time worker in India, which is kind of interesting deal. It's 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 a way to get really cheap labor, and he's really smart, and he's quick, and he's fast and efficient. So it's uh, it, it works out. And I also have another part-time worker um, in Michigan remotely. So. I have some remote employees who are kind of doing things. Um, I'm trying to pull the strings and tell them what to do and you know, direct them with what needs to be done next. Um, so just trying to, the main thing that we're, we're struggling with is just getting all these products that we have access to listed for sale on eBay and Amazon and our website and Craigslist and Facebook marketplace. It just takes a lot of time when you have 10,000 products you know, it, it's yeah, for sure. and tomorrow, if you do a hundred a day, maybe, you know, it's going to take a while. So that's, that's what I'm doing with the business. It's just, uh, just uploading products, selling products and, uh, trying to make some money. Well, that's all right then. And how long have you been doing it for? Well, I officially formed ESR Eric Swan racing in 2014, uh, for, um, for sponsorship because I was racing. I was doing really well. Um, yeah. I had 
pretty much just got in enough points to become a pro and I applied for my pro license and I became a licensed pro in 2015, but I just ran out of money. Um, and I stopped racing uh, early 2015 in motorsports. Um, so I switched from sponsorship to, to uh, e-commerce and I started doing e-commerce around 2015, 2016. Um, and so I've been doing that ever since, four or five years now, I've been selling stuff online. And uh, there's a lot of hiccups. There's a lot of things you got to learn. Um, losing money on shipping because you put in the wrong dimensions or something or didn't calculate it right. Or um, I found mm -hmm. if you ship a tire without a box versus with a box, even though you got to pay for the box, it's like $30 cheaper. Like I'm wasting $30 because I'm not spending $5 on a box. You know, just learning things like that. Just trying to figure out, you know, buying, having to buy seven rows of shelving to, I have inventory here, you know, where are going to put it all? Um, yeah. how do you find it all. You got to mark everything with the, uh, you know, SKU and storage location and it's got to be run like a business. So you got to do everything right. Yeah. yeah. So well, good to know that you can ship tires cheaper in a box because uh, I sell a lot of takeoffs too. So yeah. And if usually you, in person, but it's crazy. If you buy, uh, one or two boxes from the store, you'll pay like $10 a piece for them. If you buy, 50 boxes, you pay like $1.50 for each each one. You know, it's just dramatic the price differences you get by buying in bulk. So that helps out. Yeah. So yeah, we're just uh, just trying to upload new products. Just got uh, O'Neal with uh, boots and gloves and helmets and jerseys uh, for, for motor stuff. Um, M4 Performance Exhaust is probably my best selling product that I have. We have, you know, exhaust for every pretty much every bike that you that there is. Um, we actually have three exhaust brands, Spark, Italian Exhaust, uh, which is kind of a lesser yeah. in the States. Um, it comes from Italy. Uh, there's also Ekropovic, which is Slovenian, which I used on my bike. And then the M4, yeah, yeah. which is uh, built and made in Texas, which is pretty cool, American made. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of looked at your website there and, and looked at your what you have for sale before we chatted too. So I've seen that a lot of a lot of M4 exhaust, a lot of a lot of spark stuff. That's cool. Yeah, and it's it's funny too. You look at we my we currently go ahead. I was gonna say we a lot of us up in Canada. So we have you ever heard of Hindle exhaust? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're based at a Port Perry, Ontario. Canada so and they they always give us racers good deals and and stuff so a lot of us that's what we run up here it's hard to beat it with with their their, uh, their pricing yeah I mean there's nothing wrong with each brand uh, they might have a different sound or produce different dyno results but they're all really good in the end um, yeah I was saying before it's funny if you look at my look at my site I have 1400 items that are what, what I started with. So when I started my business, I didn't have any money for inventory. So I would sell my old books and CDs and DVDs and uh, vinyl records, you know, videotapes, cassette tapes, everything that I could find, I put on eBay. Um, so I could get like a reputation and get some feedback so that I could get these vendors. Um, and so even today I have, you know, yeah. novels for like three, $3.99 for sale, like hundreds of them. Um, it's just, there's a big difference in, in my inventory right now. 
Yeah, I kind of, uh, when I was looking there, when I first went on your website, yeah, you had a bunch of CDs and stuff. And I always like to look at the pricey, expensive things. So I reorganized <laughs> it to what's more expensive, right? So then I, I seen the exhaust. So, so that's how you got started. You just put everything that, I mean, we could do that around this house with the amount of junk that we got in this house. I could just you really it. can, you know, and, and you can make money with it. Um, even my old t-shirts, uh, shoes, pants, like I have a, a couple of rows of clothing that are just my, my, you know, my ex-girlfriends, my parents sometimes, just people would donate stuff to me. Um, but now I'm getting to the point where I can't accept anything. I used to do consignment. Um, yeah. So I say I still do consignment, but I'm just very restrictive. Um, I can't accept anything that's probably under a hundred dollars because it's just not worth my time anymore. Um, if it takes me all this time to upload an exhaust, it takes the same amount of time to upload a book, you know, and the, the result is like $3 versus a thousand dollars or whatever. So yeah, exactly. You're spending your time the best. So I would just say, yes, you can do that, but it just has to be high volume and I'm never going to be high enough volume with books to make it worth my time. I'm, and I'm already so short on time anyways with kids and dogs and yeah. all the chaos with life. So it wouldn't be worth my time, but no, that's cool. Um, so uh, any plans to ever go back to racing? Absolutely. It's my dream. I, I love to do it. Um, I'm a racer at heart. Um, I did all this behind me with like zero budget and no crew and uh, just yeah. me myself going to the racetrack with a bike. Um, and so I know that I can do it and compete at a high level. Um, I just need to make the money now to be able to do it. Here, yeah. I'm trying to make the money now uh, so I can <laughs> and do that. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I have some money in my bank account. I could do that, but I don't want to go blow it tomorrow. You know, it's not oh, yeah. today. So I'm trying to be smart about it, build up some, some real cash flow here in the next five years or so. And, uh, Maybe when I'm 33, I'll be able to race for the rest of my life. It might not be at the level I'm looking for, but uh, at least I'll be out there and be competing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, with money, you can do just about anything. You can pay your own way. So I'm just trying yeah, exactly. to how to make more money. Um, so I'm, I'm actually looking to dump about uh, a thousand of these items that are under $50 and just start focusing on the higher, higher end stuff. Um, in the next couple of months here. So trying to make that change. And then, uh, yeah, like I would love to race cars. I have a simulator upstairs that has I have a, a wheel and pedals. Um, I'm really fast in a go-kart. There's a local go-kart track near my house. It's just an indoor place, but they have timing and scoring on all that. And I think over 200,000 people have, have done a lap around that circuit. And at one point I was 25th, which is like a couple thousandths away from the fastest time, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right there. It's just, I need the money. Yeah. I hear you. Listen, everybody. Yeah. Every privateer racer, right? So um, you would not, you would not consider yourself factory at this point. No, I'm, I'm definitely far, far from it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I have support from good a good dealership in Calgary here, um, Pro-Am, and through that I get a bit of help from Kawasaki and whatnot, and, um, which does go a long way, but 
you know, that's where the the more support would be needed to, to do more. It's like you say, just you taking yourself to the racetrack, right? That's uh, that's what I've done as well. And, you know, I got one good uh, French Canadian friend named Richard Bulduc that's been kind of my mechanic over the last couple of years helping me out. And he's really helped me get to or achieve what I've achieved in the last couple of years. But the next step, that national level, you know, you need your suspension guy, your tire guy, your uh, old, you know, mechanic, right? And you need a guy to work a pit board for you. Then it just starts getting, that's where you just get expensive, right? And you want, you ask friends to help you, but how often can you rely on friends all the time, right? So that's just the next step, right? And like you say, you can pave your way with money. You can hire those people if you want, but uh, it's going to cost you. So that's why I'm, I stay where I am right now, so. For sure, yeah. Just got to do it the smart way and do what works for you. Um, so most of the time, it was just you and one other guy, no no major crew going to all these places, just uh, just you and one dude? Pretty much. Um, and even near the end of last year, he got pretty affected by COVID where he had to kind of switch his, his shifts around and, and change what he was doing. So he was working at nighttime and out of town. So he couldn't make the last couple of rounds from just me. Right. So, um, which adds a lot more work to it, as you know. Yep. You got to unload the canopy, unload the bike, you know, put them on the stands, put them on the warmers, get the generator out, uh, all the gear, all that stuff every time. And then the toolbox and <laughs> get ready for sleep. Are you sleeping in your trailer? Do you do, tech, do you go to the sure. hotel? We, uh, we, when we first started, it's funny. We used to do that. We used to just sleep in the cargo trailer, my wife and I. Um, and then once we have kids, that really wasn't going to fly. Oh, so uh, we ended up, um, her mom and dad had an old motorhome that they weren't using anymore. So then we started using that and towing a trailer behind that. And uh, we've used that ever since, um, which has been great because you know, making the long distance travels, it's always nice to just drive as far as you can and then, you know, pull into a Walmart and just get some shut eye and then just pick up and go again. You don't have to be at a certain place. Um, so we've always, we, we, we drove it, we've driven it down to Miller. Um, I've driven it right across Canada to go race nationals at Mossport in Ontario. Um, bunch of stuff, but, uh, We've since sold that. Now we just got ourselves a toy hauler. Um, and that's what we're using now to stay in. So about how many does that sleep? Uh, the toy hauler could sleep. You could sleep six, seven people in that. Good enough for you and your kids for sure. And your wife. They're, they're better designed than the motorhome. That's what. Uh, we ended up getting rid of the motorhome. The motorhome was kind of, you'd have your one bed in the back that the wife and I'd sleep in, then you had a pull-out couch in the middle in the kitchen. And then, yeah. as you know, getting up for riders meetings, I'd be getting up, trying to tiptoe around the kids so I don't wake them. And, of course, you wake one at 6.30 in the morning, they're both up. And, oh, yeah. And the wife wouldn't be too happy with that. But uh, <laughs> the toy hauler design is a bit nicer because it keeps all the, once you get the bikes, the tools, everything out of the garage area, it's got bunk beds in there and the kids are totally sectioned off. You're not going to wake them. 
So plus it's better for the off-road stuff, the uh, the enduro stuff, getting into the bush, it got a bit higher ground clearance. So we're happy with it. Look good. Yeah, when I first started, I was just uh, towing with a open trailer and a Pontiac Sunfire small two-door sedan, uh, strapping tires to the roof, just no space, no kitchen, <laughs> no nothing. You know, but you can do it. it. You can get to the track for really cheap. You don't have to spend a ton of money. All you need is a pickup truck um, and a motorcycle and some leathers. Yep, that's it, man. Once you're there, there's no difference, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing stories like that and seeing new people come into the club with the same kind of setup as you, and it's awesome. I Because I, I, well, we we used to be there. I used to be there too, right? So. Yeah, so asking people you didn't know to help you load your bike into your truck because you you didn't you just showed up you didn't know anyone there oh yeah or the people that don't even have a ramp they like can i borrow your ramp <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got a dirt bike buddy like that we'll just lift his dirt bike out of his truck yeah and lift it back in <laughs> yeah you gotta ride Hulk's it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so you've been uh, riding dirt bikes for training, or are you uh, are you actually racing those too? Well, it's funny. So I, uh, when I was growing up, kind of a early teens kind of thing, I actually I rode a lot of dirt bikes, um, and then got my license, and all my buddies got their license. We all started driving and kind of got into cars a bit. So kind of fell out of it, right? Um, and then I moved out here, uh, when did I move out here, 2011, and uh, wanted to get into sport bikes. I always loved the R6, so I bought myself a sport bike. And so I was like, well, this is cool. And then, well, I got to take it to the track. And uh, so I had it for a bit. And then I took it to the track and I had a really nice, good condition, perfectly clean R6, not a scratch on it. So after my first track experience, I was like, okay, I got to find something else because this was too much fun. And I know I'm going to wreck this bike, so I don't want to take this bike to the track anymore. So I found an older, well, not older, but just more beat up race R6, which eventually I built into being the one I won on. But anyways, um, and uh, built that up. And then once I got into racing and I met friends from the track, everyone was dirt biking, so I'm like, well, I'm gonna get back into this. So I got back into it again and just didn't really have a lot of friends that did it, but a lot of people out here ride enduro because we have mountains right off our doorstep pretty much, right? So the really hardcore enduro riding is really popular here. So I got into that and I absolutely love it. It's such a, such a, a physical and mental challenge. Um, the riding is so hard that it's the best training because it gets you such in good modal fitness your whole body um that it i love it plus it's it's fun it's nice to get out in the bush and and disappear for a day i would imagine you have to be so technically sound when you're doing that because you're you're out in the middle of nowhere and if you get hurt you know it could be bad right yeah it can get real bad and no one really rides alone for that reason, but uh, yes, it, it can go bad in, in uh, it can go bad real fast out here, but uh, it's just the being so technical because you're literally riding a mountain bike trail on a 300cc dirt bike 
you know, hopping logs, doing this and, and, you know, down big slopes, big hill climbs and, and you're spent after a day, but it's, it's a blast. It's probably relaxing at one in one aspect of it that you're not racing for time, but on the other side, you have to be, you know, on your game so you can get around all these obstacles. It's just, it's just a different challenge. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I was actually, I was going to start racing it um, just because I got my boy into it as well with, uh, um, he got a little PW50. We were going to race the off-road series out here. Um, and just when I started to get into it, they have what's called a frozen nut. It's a winter hair scramble. Yeah. Um, that's when COVID, yeah. that's when COVID hit. So I literally had one race and then that that's it we haven't been able to race since the off-road stuff unfortunately but um it's a different style of racing like you're still timed but you know it's like checkpoints and a race will last three hours not 16 laps right it's a different mindset of racing it's more of a endurance race than a sprint i'd say yeah and i'm sure not everybody even finishes those races right there's going to be some percentage of dnfs in those yeah, DNFs and, you know, sometimes people have to have a moment in the bush when they just get, when they just had enough, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's always good for a good time. It's, it's entertainment. And uh, are those, uh, are those the type of races where you see all the spectators helping these guys climb different hills and obstacles and helping the bikes over? It's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's uh, similar to that. It's not quite an Like you're talking the uh, World Enduro Series kind of stuff, right? Like yeah, the climbing those massive hills and all that. Yeah, it's yeah, that's basically what it is. We don't quite have the fans, but uh, <laughs> it's a similar concept. Yeah, very cool. Um, so yeah, I'm just uh, mm -hmm. just getting ready for Christmas here. I I haven't bought any uh, any presents yet. I still have to do all my all my Christmas shopping. Um, but it's going to be pretty small this year. Like you said, Christmas is canceled. So, uh, it's just going to be my, my yeah. own family. Um, just my own personal family and my mom, dad, my brother and me, and then my cat and my brother's dog. And that's it. Uh, usually we have on my mom's side, her family, uh, two, uh, two other families that we all get together with. But, um, I guess we got to be, uh, we gotta sacrifice this this holiday for the next ones, right? That's the idea. Yeah, I guess I'm not quite sure how ours ours is gonna play out because we didn't have that much restrictions until now, but a lot of people around my neighborhood are kind of over it and just you know saying screw it. So we don't know who we're gonna get together with. I told my wife to go buy a small turkey if it's just you know our family but uh i think we're still gonna get together with um her mom and dad her sister and their family um so it'll probably be won't be the huge size that it always is but it'll be um i don't know scaled back but not not just us i don't think sure. but we'll see we're kind of up in the air right now and whatever everyone else wants to do we're okay with still doing it but yeah that's how we were for thanksgiving we all just we'll see. as our 
individual families as well. We usually get together, but we didn't do it for that either. So it was, it was pretty weird. I think it's the first Thanksgiving I didn't see any other families. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, do you want to give some sponsor shout outs to some of your people who have helped you out through the years and uh, maybe some of the companies or people who've helped you out? What's that? Sorry, I kind of cut out there. Sure. Do you want to give some uh, sponsor shout outs to some of the people who've helped you out through the years, maybe some people or some companies in particular? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've had a lot of help recently. Like I mentioned, a dealership in uh, in Calgary. So that's uh, Pro-Am Motorsports always really uh, been good for me. Um, helping me out there, a Kawasaki, Yamaha, Honda dealer. Um, really big into the motocross stuff, helping guys out. Um, and then I'm kind of their sport bike guy, I guess. Um, I got to give a good shout out to uh, Larry Mills of uh, DP Brakes. I don't know if you ever heard of DP Brakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're big. But, uh, yeah, those guys are awesome. I actually met him and, uh, at Mossport for one of our nationals, and he gave me his card and seemed like a real nice guy. So I figured I'd you know, phone him up next season and uh, chat with him a bit. And that was 2018. And ever since I've been using his brake pads, I've won, I've won championships. So um he's a great guy um I, I touched on it before too hindle exhaust has always been good for us up, up north here they really support us at the club level too which is sometimes hard to come by right because you always get support when you're at the national level but it's nice to see it at the club level um and then canadian kawasaki too um they've had a great um backing of me and and of uh club riders and national riders up here so they've been great as well and uh it just to mind you know you're on the kawasaki how far off of jonathan ray's bike do you think your bike is <laughs> very far <laughs> yeah you don't think it's similar it's actually funny you, you say that because I seen uh, uh, Dave Anthony, Aussie Dave, just put his ZX10 for sale, and I'm like biting my tongue, like, oh, I want to, because I want to put mine for sale and get that, because that's got the, you know, the um, um, Fieber uh, underslung swing arm, the KRT brace frame, the you know, super bike motor, and you know, the nice. I, I, I'm sponsored. I should give a shout out to K-Tech too. Um, K-Tech supported me. So I run K-Tech suspension and I've ran other brands in the past. And uh, actually my main mechanic out here is a rep for K-Tech. So in 2019, I switched from what I was using before and went on K-Tech. And man, that stuff's good. It's uh, been the best suspension I've ever ran. It actually helped stop that wheelie issue I have with the Kawasaki. I was using Olin's before and we tried valving it, respringing it, tried everything we could. We couldn't make it work. But with the K-Tech, it just seems to be more plush on the shock. And one click of, of compression, rebound, just one click can be the difference with that stuff. So I was quite impressed. Anyways, going back to what I was saying, I seen all the stuff that he had on that bike. You know, he's got $10,000 K-Tech forks on it. And I'm like, cool. And for what he's selling it for, it's a good price. So 
What's he but, asking uh, for something like that? Oh, I don't know, 25, uh, 25 grand US, which is pricey, but you look at what it's got on it, it's it's a nice bike. You should have a look at it. Yeah, some of those bikes are $100,000, uh, you know, or more, 150 grand. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Ray's bike's probably got about 150 worth of stuff on it, right? To separate it from mine. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. But our, here's the thing too, is our national series is, is very, um, I would say it's a mix of your uh, stock 1000 and Superbike, like to keep our cost down. If you were to put this as your stock 1000 and this is your Superbike, we're kind of here with our national. Like there's not a whole lot you can do to the motorcycle to keep the cost down. So right. um, all that fancy stuff would really kind of rule me out of racing our national series. Yeah, it's a, it's a prohibitively expensive for most people. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Most like most people, when they say, "Oh, I got a new, I got a new sport bike. What should I upgrade? Should I get a new exhaust?" Yeah. <sighs> Probably. <laughs> that's not the first thing you should upgrade. No. Um, Carbon fiber yeah, bodywork. Yeah. If you have all the money in the world, sure, do that. But yeah. Um, and I sell exhausts, right? I'm trying to be. I'm honest here. You should get the first three things: are suspension, tires, yeah. and brakes. You know, if you have those three things, you can do a lot. And that's what I did because I didn't even uh, have money to paint my bike when I first started. I just started with primer gray bodywork and called it a day and got, you know, second place in nationals with primer gray bodywork. Um, but I had the important stuff on my bike. So if you have the right stuff, you can go fast. That's a great thing. I love seeing guys with primer, um, um, primer body work as well, because that's just kind of like you're um, all business, right? You don't care about, about it. You're just all business. If you tuck it down the road, you're not worried about your paint job, right? Exactly. Man, I didn't even have numbers I used, when I first started. I used uh, duct tape and, uh, and painter's tape for my numbers. Perfect. Um, I used to I used to just spray bomb my stuff, just one color, and then I yeah. would, uh, you know, put your decals on and stuff. But I'm actually quite fortunate. Give another shout out. Uh, my wife's mom and dad are, uh, in, uh, they own an auto body shop. So I've always been able to uh, get free free paint jobs and and free touch ups on my body work. So it's it's worked out in my favor. Oh, very good. Yeah, I, you know, that brings to mind, I talked to a guy, Max Flinders, who race, races in the Moto America Superbike class. He's got a yel the yellow, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, I found out he paints it yellow because uh, he's got a hookup with a helicopter pilot and his, all the planes are yellow. That's why. It's because of the helicopters. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So he's got helicopter paint. On That's his awesome. Um, well, I always actually wondered why he painted it uh, yellow, to be honest with you. It definitely sticks out, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's unique, right? And it still looks good. I mean, he's got yeah, the can, suit to match, and I actually can, run the same suits as him. We run that those 1X uh, suits. I'm sure when you're uh, going through all your photos for the weekend, it's really easy to pick out where Max is. You don't have to go through and sort through a million 
photos of a black and gray bike or, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, let's let's wrap this up a little bit. We're gaining up onto that uh, one hour mark. Um, and uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we signed off? Uh, no, man. That's all. That's that's good. It was good to chat. Um, I'm good though. Anything else you want to ask me? Um, yeah. Is there uh, where can people find you on social media? Are you out there on YouTube, Instagram, anywhere special? Yeah. So on social media, you can check out so rbod818 on Instagram and uh, obviously Ryan Body R Y A N B O D D Y at Facebook. Uh, and check out some cool racing out west. We got some exciting things planned for next year where we're gonna have quite a big race series. I think as long as this you know pandemic goes away by then so um, I encourage people to check it out all right well uh, I will have uh, everybody go over to your social media I'll get this posted shortly and uh, thanks again for doing this Ryan no problem Eric I had a blast thanks all right have a good one bye-bye see you bye